if that's all you got, then you got to be a pretty good detective. Is that all the balls you've got, Santa? How's it going? It's going great. Excellent. Mm. Is that my first one where I actually say it's, it's a, there's a positive <laughs> statement rather than an indifferent yeah. statement? Yes. <laughs> I'm um, going, a, meh. Yeah, it's fine. It's going okay. <laughs> I mean, for several years, that was my standard answer to people. Look, you don't mm-hmm. understand. From where I'm at, okay is pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. So the scale, you have to, mm-hmm. you have to check. Check in with I'm, me about the scale, and then I'll tell you. I have to choose between, uh, usually I, if somebody says, how's it going? I say, excellent. Uh-huh. That's my standard response. Um, and every once in a while I'll say, excellently. Yes. I, you know, should use adverbs when appropriate. All right, then. <laughs> and speaking of proper grammar. Oh, are, are we? <laughs> <laughs> it's just called, it's just called Two Brothers. That's our show. I am Marcus. I'm James. Welcome. I guess if anybody's out there, well, As obviously you, you are. are. So... <laughs> Hey, we've we've got our cadre of loyal um, bots, core listeners. <laughs> Every <laughs> once in a while, we do something that hits the zeitgeist, or that you post on Reddit, and we'll <laughs> we'll experience a jump. Yeah, and uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe it'll be the show because there is a there's there's quite the geist to zeit. You got that right. Uh, these <laughs> these uh, troubling times we're living. Um, <laughs> yes. We got your. Although ready we're not one. overtly political, um, oh, no, ninety no, percent no. of the time I, it's, uh, it's it's pretty rare, pretty mm-hmm. rare on the show. With each other, eh, sure. I met these troubling times of people living in a trailer home <laughs> uh, in the dystopian future that is Ready Player One, right? Which just came out on film, film, or perhaps a digital rendition of film. Cinema, as the French say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A silver screen. As actually, a lot of people say that. Yeah, all right. Well, where you are, you're Joe Hollywood, or Marcus Hollywood. Joe, Joe Los Angeles, Joe, <laughs> Joe Beach. You, uh, you have been reading Ready Player One as an audiobook. I did. Which and... some people are reluctant to call reading. I'm, I'm, hmm. gonna, I'm going to allow it. That's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it. I usually say I'm listening to an mm-hmm. audiobook, but yeah. um, am I truly reading? Hmm. That's... that's uh, yeah, to get into the definition. If you're, yeah, if if you're read too, are you reading? Yeah. And the answer is, it depends. Yeah, we'll have to ask Will Wheaton. About that. <laughs> we do. <laughs> what does he know? Um. Uh, well, he got the gig. So listen, if if people on Twitter are any indication, he doesn't know what he's talking about <laughs> on any other subject except acting, because he's an actor. Gotcha. That's what I understand from the people on Twitter. Yeah. If you're an actor, that's it. Yes. If you're from any other walk of life, yes. of course, you can expound upon all other yes. walks of life. Speak on any of the various subjects that I am into regarding your acting. Otherwise, you're out of your wheelhouse <laughs> and you should refrain. Yes. As yes. I'm assuming those people do when they speak about political things that are uh, not their job. I'm sure they're logically consistent like that. Sure. Absolutely. I'm sure. People, yeah, yeah. If you've got to put it out there on Twitter, it... it Probably fact-checked and true. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I believe that's going to be the time when we move on and circle back to Ready Player One. <laughs> <That was laughs> your, your announcer voice is charming. Thank you. Uh, but 
Before that, we need to discuss the the teaser from last week's show about <laughs> yes. you going to ground control because that is right. semi related to Ready Player One. Uh, also, I watched um, CBS Sunday Morning this morning, and they did about twenty teasers of what was going to be on the show. Uh-huh. It was like maybe the first ten minutes was all the things that were going to be on the show, just one after the other. It was really borderline irritating. Just do the show. <laughs> Later and then on the they show. Te- <laughs> yeah, they did that about, well, every single commercial break until they finally got to the, the one that uh, I must assume they had pegged that uh, was the most important story. But anyway. I, I think Monty Python did something like this. They just kept on teasing and then tangenting. Well, and... they made fun of that, that practice mm. even in the 60s, I think. I think it was them. Uh, which And they then immediately <laughs> proceeded to do it. I mean, Eric Idle does a thing... Um, as the BBC announcer, where he yeah. says, Now on BBC television, a choice of viewing. On BBC Two, a discussion on censorship between Derek Hart, the Bishop of Woolwich, and a nude man. And on BBC One, me telling you this. And now, we don't want that, do we? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Right. So, yeah. uh, let's, let's wrap up the, the trip. Portland was fantastic. I, mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> I wanted to, I think I said I wanted to live in every neighborhood that we, that we went into. Yeah, if you had had your bindle with you, uh-huh. you would have still been up there right now. If I wasn't so sentimentally attached to my books and <laughs> my cat, I, I might have said, you know what, just sell all that crap and send me the money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, I understand. Um, I am now homesick for Portland. It's crazy. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I, said to, I said to the boys, my friends... Um, is it possible to have a panic attack from going home? Does it kind of feel like that while I'm coming onto the plane? Yeah, I just I wasn't ready to leave, and mm-hmm. uh, all that is a, a pre to tell you <laughs> that I was kind of disappointed in ground control. Ah, okay, <laughs> okay. So there's a couple things. Um, number one, they're they're undergoing a renovation. Mm. I I don't know if it's an expansion because I think they already did that, but they're um, they sort of poke through the the building on two sides mm-hmm. and uh, two adjacent sides, and there's a, a shop or two between both entrances. So one entrance is shut, and there's a big room. Like the majority of the the establishment is closed off, mm-hmm. and mm. all the other stuff is in this smaller area where the bar is. Mm. Maybe it's a little more crowded than it used to be. Um, you know, cabinet-wise, they're, they're sort of shoved up against each other. Right. Um, but that was one thing. And then the other thing was uh, a couple of the games I really wanted to play uh, had some major problems with them. One, mm-hmm. of, one mm-hmm. of which was, you know, being broken and yeah. just eating quarters. Yeah. Oh, you did. so you did have to spend quarters? Yes, you do. You, it's totally just quarter-based. Mm. And the other, uh, you know... Uh, someone was helpful after I lost 50 cents and pushed a bunch of buttons, uh, said, yeah, I think Galaga's broken. Okay, <laughs> thanks for telling me and having a sign and stuff. Um, mm. <laughs> but uh, the other one was, the um, what was it, Namco? Yeah. As a machine? Uh, mm-hmm. Mappy and, well, I don't oh, that's right. remember. I was, Several others. I remember saw, seeing Mappy on, on the list, yeah. Yeah, I got all excited. Um, mm mm-hmm. That's in a cabinet with a sort of multi, a multi-game thing. Yeah. So the the publishers did this special edition 
classic Arca- Namco games. Cabinet. Cabinet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, but there were several games that I had played before, and I really wanted to play again. Um, but there was no sound on that machine. Oh, and that's three quarters of the fun I, of Mappy. It is. It really is. I'm sorry. I'm not playing Mappy without sound. <laughs> uh, so that was a dud. And uh, um, what was the other thing? I did play the Adams Family pinball machine. Hi. But it was so loud in there, <laughs> I, I couldn't really hear any of the dialogue. Oh, that would have to be pretty loud. <laughs> so, yeah. And th- they... Probably should turn the the store soundtrack off. It was a good '80s mix, I'll give you that. Mm. But um, it just overwhelmed all the games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was it was neat, and I played like the coming in and playing my first game was the highlight of the whole experience, and mm-hmm. everything after that was a slow letdown. <laughs> 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 that's funny okay so, now let me, so of course let me the ask, booze helped well the, yeah i guess <laughs> it was nice they've got these little uh like wire cup holders on top of um many machines at, or ah. beside the pinball machine so you can just mm-hmm. you can put your glass or or bottle in <laughs> that was wise that was cool yeah <laughs> yes of course pretty perched on, a, uh-huh. on an angled glass surface <laughs> <laughs> can you like can you picture sort of a like highball glass just <laughs> precariously wedged where you would set your normally set your quarter for next game? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> move that joystick a little, little vigorously. And, oh, uh, come on! Yeah. Um, <laughs> so let me ask you this um, again. We've we're <laughs> quite a ways in and haven't talked about Ready Player One much. No. Um, do you think the owners operators of Ground Control are our age or younger? Because and I have a follow up question. I have no idea. Are you asking me to guess? Well, if you have no idea, then it would uh, uh, you would have to wait for my follow up question to know why I'm asking. I, I would tend to guess slightly younger. Okay. If you didn't live through the the heyday of, or golden age of arcades, mm-hmm. as you and I did, you might get the impression that when you go into an arcade, there was a loud '80s soundtrack playing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because your exposure to those arcades would be through movies right. uh, or TV shows when there would be a soundtrack playing over the through the film or the show. I, I, um, get, I but, get where you're going. That's very perceptive of you. Thank you. Uh, it just came to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So in reality, I don't recall any arcade having a, a blaring soundtrack. No, how of, would they? Of music. They didn't uh, <laughs> they make enough money to pay for or... Yeah, yeah. Or uh, maybe well, they'd have, have to pay for Muzak or something, uh, and that was before Muzak had the um, yeah. licensing rights to the real song, so we yeah. would laugh to them out of, out of business <laughs> if they play real Muzak. I don't hmm. remember having that at any time. Maybe no. there was one somewhere where it would have had the radio on. Maybe mm-hmm. we would have been in a place that had radio on and and video games, you know, just there. Not yeah, necessarily yeah. an arcade, though. Right. Um, the arcade, I only remember ever hearing uh, machines, other machines. Mm-hmm. Same but, here. But, um, yeah, that's a good question. don't know. You'd have to survey people and see what they remember. Yep. So they're, they're trying to recreate the nostalgia of, of seeing it <laughs> on a show versus the real deal. But, um, hey, I, uh, prove me wrong, ground control yeah. uh, owners slash operators. I would be impressed if that was the aim. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. uh, it's more likely that people fear... Having no ambient music mm-hmm. as a as a bar as a tavern establishment, I'm yeah, not yeah, sure. Yeah. I would be impressed if that really was thought out. 
ahead of time. <laughs> As opposed to just, you know, oh man, we got to get a killer sound system in here and jam some 80s tunes. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's that's just an adjunct piece of nostalgia. Yeah. Not, nece- exactly. not necessarily a package deal where you do everything. Yeah, I'm going to agree. All right. Now let's get into the meat of <laughs> the show. If, sure. uh, unless you're, you know, vegetarian, then I apologize. I am vegetarian. causing some trauma. In fact, how dare you, sir? <laughs> I'm deeply offended. This show is over. This act is over. <clears throat> well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'd like to put this filth behind us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, let's get into the Ready Player One thing. Yeah, I, I listened to a couple of... I don't want to call them analyses, but I guess they are um, rundown thoughts mm-hmm. on Ready Player One. Um, one, okay, one was uh, the Game Informer show mm-hmm. and the Game Informer podcast, and they had an interview with Ernest Klein. Mm-hmm. And Good scoop. And they talked about uh, the the book and the the writing of it and his sort of ideas uh, along with it. Uh, and, and then in context of the movie, you know, how things were different and what he thought about the film and his work, you know, directly because he was involved. This was after the film came out or after the production of the film anyway? After the film came out. Okay. Yeah, it's only in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I think it was after. It's right with it. Mm-hmm. And the other one was the uh, a, a podcast I really, really like a lot. Probably my favorite games podcast. Um and that is shall we play a game <laughs> and those curmudgeons i am i am as they say well in with um mm-hmm. because yeah they articulated a lot of things um that that i was mm, disappointed about in the book mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh looking back at it yeah while i was in the book while i was reading the book i was literally overwhelmed mm-hmm. with the nostalgia of the references, which, right. as, as we've said, are written for us, for right. you and me. <laughs> That's correct. Not us Gen Xers. No. <laughs> you Unless you happen to live me. the same lives as, <laughs> as Marcus and James. I mean, a lot of people know, a lot of people know the references, mm-hmm. but we're, we're fans of many of the references. Yes. That is correct. So that's, I, I feel that's a much smaller subset. Maybe I would imagine maybe so. Not. Yeah, maybe yeah, not. yeah. Like, but, but I mean, Rush isn't that popular uh-huh. as a you know hardcore fan thing. Yeah, well, even Will Wheaton mispronounced uh, <laughs> Neil Peart's name. Yeah, see? I, I, to be fair, a lot of fans do. I, I know. Quite fan, but, but yeah. I mean, Ernest <laughs> hey. Klein might. I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's pronounced clean. <laughs> <laughs> it's pronounced Kline. Uh, you finished the book. I did, sir. Yes. How? What? What are your thoughts, sir? Uh, it was one ripping good yarn for the, <laughs> for the most part. To quote Jay Peterman. Kramer, my friend, that is one ripping good yarn. <laughs> and I was able to get into it um, pretty well, uh, as you as you said all along. It was written for us. And I did enjoy many and most of the references. I liked the tale itself. Hmm. For the most part, it uh, it transported me right right in there. I had a good time. Yeah. There there were a few things that were that that took me out of it, you know. And then of course, listening to it over the course of maybe two weeks, I want to say, mm-hmm. right about two weeks, it took me to to listen through it and, or read, as it were. Mm-hmm. And then um, afterward, I was able to to think uh, for the most part think about. Uh, criticisms, but it didn't get me too much. Uh, dur- it didn't um, hmm, stop me from enjoying it 
during the movie in my mind, uh-huh. which was the fabulous reading by Mr. Will Wheaton. Sure. Or at least uh, accurate. Well, I thought he... Uh, I, yeah, he seems a good choice. Yeah, I like that, that he was in uh, as a reference in, in the book, and um, he emphasized slightly, but mostly just uh, went straight through. He didn't, mm-hmm. didn't ham it up when his name was mentioned by himself. Uh, do you want to get into to one of the no, details? No, no. I've heard that clip, I think. Ah, and okay. that is... Um, yeah, that was that was a good choice. <laughs> don't don't take us out of it just because you're reading it and you're in it. It it probably was surreal. I have no doubt. But, yeah, it may have been. But yeah, that was, yeah, sure, good. Sorry, continue. <laughs> well, I don't know. Do you want to want to? Shall we share a uh, a like and a dislike, or how do you want to? <laughs> how do you want to do this? Do you? I mean, what are your? Do you have criticisms and and what are they? Because yeah, I, I, mean, I, I have a plenty. couple. But okay. um, mostly, as you know, I am a somewhat of a fan of Clive Cussler's The Oregon Files. Yeah. I like that series quite a lot. He's not a great writer of no. literature, uh, <laughs> Clive Cussler. I, you, uh, yeah, sure. But I can get into a story and have fun with it, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, like many movies that are terrible movies, but they're fun and enjoyable. Right. You know, and, and aren't supposed to be great pieces of art, right. say. So um, in this case, I thought it was because it was written for us. It was easy to say gloss over maybe some parts that took me out of it, mm-hmm. out of the out of the story, out of the moment. Right. Um, the Monty Python thing was a bit ridiculous and much. <laughs> I thought I didn't care for that, especially uh-huh. as the climax. Should we say there are spoilers afoot? Well, in the show notes, maybe uh-huh. if they've gotten this part. They're probably gonna <laughs> figure it out. So. Um, let's say. Uh, we'll do the Siri voice or whatever. Um, if you don't want spoilers, uh, probably stop now. <laughs> Come back next week. We won't talk about anything else at the end of the show. You can listen to the last 30 seconds. If last you 30 seconds. Hear, if you want to hear the outro, if you want to hear if we can make an outro joke, last 30 seconds. <laughs> Otherwise, yes, we'll we'll end the show with this topic. Yeah, yeah. If you don't want spoilers. I, I both enjoyed and disliked the Monty Python thing. Mm-hmm. I enjoy Monty Python and the Holy it, Grail. Um, and so I smiled about those references, but it also took me out of the moment. I thought, oh, really? Come on. That's <laughs> in, just silly. In what way? Tell me uh, what moment. Since we're now, we're a spoiler-full show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, go ahead. What, what, what well, are you in order about? for him to win, I, I think I just read a tweet about it last night. Mm-hmm. He wins $240 billion by being able to quote Monty Python's Holy Grail accurately. I mean, he had to do a lot of other stuff accurately first, but yes, yeah. that is the that is the kicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The whole um, movie, right? He has to re- recite the whole yeah, yeah, the whole Act fucking out. movie. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. Okay. So I okay. Right. Uh, I mean, but if all the other Easter eggs were <laughs> were also fairly vacuous, <laughs> yes. then why not? Why the hell not? Let's let's say in a gamer context, grindy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they certainly were. Because reciting Monty Python and the Holy Grail from start to finish uh, perfectly, it's just—I mean, how would you know? I've seen it over a hundred times. Ooh, good grief! I have not memorized the whole thing. I've yep. read the script cover to cover mm-hmm. multiple with, times when yeah, I was with, when I was younger, but multiple times with I, notes and crossouts and all that jazz. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I couldn't do that, and I don't know. I don't remember if he figured out that he had to do it. No, but it, yeah, he just knows it. He just knows it. Yeah, that, that come on, no, mm-hmm. ridiculous. <laughs> There's too much other stuff to know. Yeah, 
you are the most obsessive fan of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And you, that is what you do if you've memorized the whole thing from start to finish and can recite it perfectly. Right. You're not necessarily a master of all things <laughs> 80s. Right. Because, because there's no time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how old is he? He's 18, right? 18, yeah, 19, 17? Something like that. Let's see. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think he started when he was 15. Okay, maybe the, there's some kind of super deal. subliminal apps that will just shove it into your brain at that point. Maybe. And he was uh, basically spending all his time online. Right. Um, you know, in, in a way, the more you memorize, the better at memorizing you get. Uh, yes. So if you spend your entire waking moment trying to do those things, then right. I, I guess. But on the other hand, I... I yeah. I say no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, that is a lot to memorize to the point where you can just do it right. on the fly. Um, uh, like, if you sure. know you're yeah. going to do it, you can spend some days preparing... Mm-hmm. Uh, or weeks, but a uh, hundred pages of dialogue accurately. I don't yeah. know. And granted, they, he had help. Uh, he, d- he did mm-hmm. admit that he made some mistakes, but, uh, ah, okay. you know, so Artemis and H and Shoto helped him. Right. But uh, that was my biggest uh, yeah, take the out of the moment. it's been a while since I read it, so I don't remember exactly ah. the thing. Yeah, yeah. They were in the background helping. Sure. Let's just say I'm dubious. Um the okay, but that aside, mm-hmm. that nitpicky lack of suspension of belief aside, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't. It, it just seemed unnecessarily grindy, honestly. Right. If you were trying to make a game of all of this, a puzzle of all of this, uh, the sheer tedium of doing that, um, I just don't see that it's necessary. You're going for a breadth of knowledge of. All the things that you love, right? But I don't. Based on, but you're giving clues too, so yeah, that you're sure. you're theoretically uh, giving people time to uh, study up, bone right. up on, mm-hmm. you know, each each thing at the time. But yeah. in this situation, it was there was such stiff competition, there was no time to bone up. <laughs> right. Uh, once it all got sure. really going, so but it's a little it's a, it's a it's a super Willy Wonka setup uh-huh, where uh-huh. you want the person who takes over your money and uh, controlling interest in your business to be like you. Uh-huh. Well, how best to figure that out, but to make sure they know and understand all of the things that you like. Agreed. Or at least have a deep knowledge of them. <laughs> I'm not sure it's the same. You can you can memorize Monty Python. Do you get all the jokes? Yeah. You know, do you know where some of that stuff comes from? Right. Do you have a, an appreciation and enjoyment of appreciation for and enjoyment of parodies of medieval history, <laughs> political systems, um, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, I, I <laughs> learned about numerous things way after the after the fact of uh, memorizing the. <laughs> we live in a non. <laughs> We're in a narco syndicalist commune. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and they even delved further into it. We take oh, it in turn time, yeah. to act as a sort of executive officer of the week. <laughs> yes, I see. <laughs> Then who is your lord? We don't have a lord. What? I told you, we're an anarcho-syndicalist commune. We take it in turns to act as a sort of executive officer for the week. Yes. But all the decisions of that officer have to be ratified at a special bi-weekly meeting. Yes, I see. By a simple majority in the case of purely internal affairs. Be quiet. But by a two-thirds majority in the case of more Be major... quiet. I order you to be quiet. Order? Oh, who does he think he is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we were... Let's see, when did Totally Grail come out? 74. Was it 74? Mm-hmm. Good night. That's a long <laughs> time ago. Wow. But we saw it. 
many, many times on on VHS. Yes, we did. Uh, um, certainly too early for us to see it in a theater, but... Yeah, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we wouldn't have been allowed, <laughs> I would say. Um, and then after uh, Life of Brighton came out, because of the religious controversy, uh, Monty Python was um, a bit verboten as media mm-hmm. in our family before we really explained what they were about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you and I and um, mm-hmm. uh, David J. I think, I don't know, did he introduce some of Life of Brian to us in passing? I believe that's true. Yeah. Because he had seen the film. Yeah. We didn't. Yeah. So but, he was quoting it to us yeah. long before we had a chance to see it. He may have mentioned the show to me before I knew about it. That's that's mm-hmm. possible. But the first, um, the first time I saw it was on PBS. Mm. And that was mid to... It would have been late 70s, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tangent aside, his portrayal of women is less than stellar certainly um woman <laughs> i mean <laughs> was there any other h it was like the princess leah turns out to be Wars. oh that's true yes that, of course but <laughs> it weirdly remarginalizes people <laughs> because the things that the sort of philosophy of ready player one exemplifies the ideals that we all had at the beginning of the internet Mm-hmm. And though you know, in, in part, it's that this would this would free us from the the trials and tribulations of prejudice and bigotry. Mm-hmm. It, nobody would care that you were black, lesbian, overweight on the internet because you could be anything you wanted. Mm-hmm. Well, t- two problems with that. <laughs> Number one, if you are a marginalized group, which is, let's be honest, all of those things, yep. you have to either anonymize yourself completely or pretend to be something else that is idealized by society, right? So I, where's the societal benefit in that? You have to divest yourself of huge chunks of your identity yep. in, in the so-called real world in order to participate um, freely, right, mm-hmm. in in the virtual culture right whereas the current toxicity of social media and the vulnerability of you know marginalized people to trolling and you know neo-nazi behavior and you know death threats and that sort of thing um it's it's just it it sort of brings to the fore the, (laughs) the problems inherent in those assumptions right that Oh, well, this is going to be better because, you know, nobody can tell that you're a marginalized person rather than, mm-hmm. hey, we need to sort of fix this societally somehow. We need to recognize that this is a problem in our society and try to, if we can, move towards acceptance and tolerance and inclusion. <laughs> yeah, because you're just otherwise sweep, just sweeping it under the rug. In a way, yeah. It's still yeah. there and uh, people are just able to ignore it more easily. Yeah. Or attack it well, yeah. behind a mask yeah. of, of uh, anonymity themselves. Yeah. There's, no consequence, there's no consequence whatsoever to attacking other people mm-hmm. online. And if you're already marginalized, you, you know, you're, you're lacking power in, in the world you know, already. So here, here you are in the virtual world where you're supposed to be free from those oppressions. And you're still attacked <laughs> for what people <laughs> perceive you to be if you dare to show you know, any, any true part of, of who you are. Yeah. That's not, you know, just 
your thoughts. Mm-hmm. I mean, even your advocacy for for things, right? Yeah, of course. Being attacked. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So I, I don't. I, I have a huge problem with that as a premise of the book, and I have an even bigger problem with the fact that Ernest Klein in these interviews with him seems to have no clue whatsoever <laughs> that people have a problem with this. Mm. And his deal, at least in the Game Informer interview, seems to be that uh, fuck the haters, basically. That he he's sharing these things because he loves them, uh-huh. which is fine, right? That's that's nice. Yeah. But he thinks that if you criticize some of these ideas that he presents as he presents them, that you're somehow shitting on the things that he loves and therefore he can dismiss you. That he doesn't pay attention to the people who don't, you know, sort of bring positive things to the table. Like you, Mm -hmm. if you want to, if you want to shit on the things that I love, I don't have any reason to interact with you. That's a shame because we wouldn't be shitting on the things that he loves. We would be saying, hey, could you perhaps put this in in a a, um, a more inclusive context? All these things are fine um, Mm -hmm. by themselves, but uh, if you're going to put a book out there, it can be uh, susceptible to criticism of being pretty one-sided. Yeah. To say the least. Right. Yeah. So then, it, it's I, I think that's okay to have that uh, that presentation. I don't uh, I don't think as a as a novel it necessarily needs to, but at the same time, one must if you do put it out there, uh, be ready for that <laughs> right. or accepting of that mm-hmm. uh, criticism. Yeah. And say, okay, yeah, I understand. Um, sorry, it was my first novel, and uh, <laughs> I'll try to be better next time. Yeah. Or just say, yep, that's uh, that's just the way I wrote it, and uh-huh. this is the my reference point, and. Right. Uh, I totally understand where you're coming from. Right. <laughs> or words to that effect, mm-hmm. or sentiment to that effect. Sure. That would be, uh, that would be nice. I would love to see that. I, don't, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah. Because are... you don't necessarily, I, I don't believe that, that, that everyone has to necessarily force um, uh, full inclusion of, of every possible group of, of person. <laughs> you know, he's writing from his point of view of the 80s, mm-hmm. you know, and so you, you're allowed to have your own point of view. Yeah. And if the, if he didn't realize if he was that he had either, you know kind of a tunnel vision look, <laughs> yeah. a, a uh, certainly privileged to be able to have that tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, I yeah. I have privilege myself. Yeah. I didn't see those things while I was going through it. Oh, you know that same I, same here. Nostalgia is pretty blinding, honestly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and we lived a fairly sheltered. <laughs> um, sure. Uh, yeah, we did. Not sheltered. That's not the right word. Religious enclave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we lived in a no, we didn't. In a world I that we didn't sorry. realize there. I, I don't mean <laughs> to impugn any family members, everybody. I'm sorry. That's not that's not the case. Uh, there, we lived our lives um, <laughs> with without realizing mm-hmm. necessarily that the world outside of where we were <laughs> was not as um, as inclusive as I think our family was. Yeah, pretty accepting. Guess so. Um, I don't know, and, or at least flexible, right? Enough to. Uh, to not be um, angry at other groups <laughs> yeah. or vocally angry at other groups. Sure. There are some things that, you know, we wouldn't have recognized um, being around a largely uh, sort of white, you know, uh, social group. Uh-huh. Um, things like, you know, uh, prison sentencing and uh, red line uh, housing and... Um, Systemic oppression uh, mm-hmm. you know, over time, sure, um, stuff like that that we only gradually yep. 
learned mm-hmm. as, as we got older. Yeah. But of course, you know, our formative apparent, uh, opinions of the things that Ernest Klein talks about in Ready Player One, we, you know, they're not tied to any of those things. Right, right. We just lived through all those things mm-hmm. and, and um, they were parts of our enjoyment growing up. Yeah. There's a, um, I've read several good pieces about it. The best so far is Laura Hudson's piece in The Verge, I want to say. I think it's The Verge. I will link it in the show notes. That is a, that is a fantastic critical eye on Ready Player One and um, I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Let me just say. She, she goes over a lot of these things. So. And it's, uh, it, you know, it isn't, it isn't just shitting on the things that um, we love <laughs> that are in the book too. You know, there's a lot of... You're talking about her article? I'm talking about the article. It's... Uh, mm-hmm. It's a lot about the unspoken issues that are, you know, not integrated mm-hmm. and that, you know, maybe should have been in, in light of where we are now. And, and, and some of that is impossible because um, five years ago when it came out uh, or whatever, maybe, maybe more. Did it? I think it was, was it 2011? Ooh, it might have been. So, so seven? Yeah. So, you know, that we didn't have the situation we do now. So we're, we were Certainly. just growing into this. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so granted a lot of these things, it, it's a case maybe more of not having aged well than having, than, than, boy, you should have thought about these problems. And right. that's, I think she sort of argues that he should have, but I understand, you know, at the time, certainly. That, mm-hmm. that wouldn't have been <laughs> wouldn't have been quite so stark. Right, right. A lot of things have come very quickly to the forefront sure. of uh, of our changing society. Indeed. Um, I was going to at some point, and I can't remember the exact um, the exact reason uh, now. Uh, before the Monty Python thing mm-hmm. in the book, I was going to type to you Deus ex machina. Mm-hmm. Machina. Uh, thank you. And I think, I think that's right. It should be. If it was Italian, it would be. So Latin might as well be the yes. same pronunciation uh, and the oh, let's see what was it where did he get got the rush <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 help me out help me out here <laughs> what what it, kind of thing it, well i can't remember exactly oh. was it the giants or oh the hmm. giants oh no 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 it was og the great and powerful og og i believe because he was stepped in and um you know made it made it possible uh-huh. because he was um invincible uh Wow, yeah, I barely, I barely remember that. The only Og I can think of is, uh, isn't that, in, isn't that a character in Time Bandits? Well, One yeah, the but the, uh, they called him Og. He was the, um, you know, Halliday's partner uh-huh. in, in building the, the, uh, right, okay. game company. Right. And, uh, you know, so he was another, uh, Steve Wozniak. Yes. So Woz, who is still Og. alive at the time of the book? Uh, who? What? Oh, Steve Jobs? No, 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 Og. What? Halliday's what partner book? is still alive in the book when Wade is going through the whole oh, in the process. Book? Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. He's, in, he's yeah. Mm-hmm. He's he's like the the most powerful character in the Oasis in a right. sense. Most powerful avatar. Yeah. Right, not in a sense. He he, yeah, he is. He, <laughs> he, he and <laughs> he and Halliday backdoored themselves into having invincibility. That's right. As they were Which is then bestowed on Wade as as a consequence of him winning the whole deal. Right. I feel like you should have put in a bunch of tests of your business acumen, ability <laughs> to manage personnel, uh, <laughs> things you might need in order to sort of oversee a big business like that. I don't know. Yeah. Well, maybe. I mean, it's there's more Willy Wonka games. Isn't. But see, the difference is Willy Wonka picks someone whose character he believes 
best suits caring for his legacy and, and, mm-hmm. and business. Mm-hmm. Yes. He knows that he has to train Charlie in how to run a business. <laughs> right. He doesn't he just ha- throw yeah, in yeah, the yeah. keys he, he's got, and die. Theoretically, he's got, <laughs> or we don't retire. know that Willie... We don't know that Willy Wonka uh, is uh, has you know one month to live or something in this <laughs> yeah. it, when he's doing that. We assume that he's going to uh, be around to. He says so he you know, I need the, I, someone I can mentee. teach all my secrets, all my candy making yeah. secrets to. Yeah, <laughs> rather than posthumously <laughs> just bestow all this right, like to a, some random person. Yeah, a bit like a, well, not random. I, what's what else comes to mind? Brewster's Millions, right? Uh yeah, yeah. Where yeah, it's no. just ah, I still I still really like that premise. Where it's just what would you do? Spend here's thirty million dollars. Now you got to spend it all, and if you do, you get three hundred million. <laughs> but by that time, you're gonna hate spending money, so you're not gonna be crazy with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I like that. Oh man, that was yeah. a fantastic character. There's a little <laughs> asthmatic uh, flustering in the beginning in the, in the the video that he the the film clip that he shows Brewster. Let me tell you a little story, Brewster. When I was seven years old, my daddy caught me smoking a cigar. Locked me in the broom closet for three days and three nights with nothing but a box of cigars and a book of matches. No food, Brewster. No water, just those goddamn cigars. Wouldn't let me out until I finished every last one of them. Taught me one hell of a lesson. I'm going to do to you what my daddy did to me. I'm going to teach you to hate spending money. I'm going to make you so sick of spending money that the mere sight of it will make you want to throw up. <laughs> Were you talking about the first one or the Richard Pryor one? The Richard Pryor one. Okay. Uh, uh, if you had said the first one, I still wouldn't remember the character. <laughs> I was just curious for our, uh, you know, search. Yes. Anyway, we're we're uh, we're running the clock down and out. <laughs> Got that right. Into the ground. <laughs> yeah. That's Short show, uh, long show. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Maybe we need to revisit this when we see the movie. Uh, Maybe, a couple yeah, of briefly, to, briefly, yeah. We can yeah, talk yeah. about some stuff. A couple of things that I spied in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to see a trailer, but I saw a couple <laughs> of little bits, sure. uh, you know, just a, in the theater when I was at the movies, you know, they, they showed it, so I couldn't avoid that. Didn't shut my eyes and put my fingers in my ears. There were some a couple of things that I saw that I recognized then in the book. I said, wait a second, they changed that uh-huh. in, the, in the movie, um, and maybe one other scene as well. So we'll, we'll see. Right on. One of them involves the Giants. <laughs> ah. I think that was a, per, a personal choice, maybe even by Spielberg, because people wouldn't recognize the choices from the book. Sure. Hey, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. We'll, we will literally see it. <laughs> um, it is true. Let's do some music and get out of here. What, that music that's already playing? Yeah, yeah of course. That one right there. Of course. Uh, it has been, it's just called Two Brothers. Thank you so much for listening to this blather, everybody. <laughs> I really appreciate it. My, my ranting. This is a rant show. I hope everybody was okay with that. <laughs> the rambling rant. Yep. You can fire off an email to us at bros at it's just called two brothers.com. As well saved. You can get us on Twitter at, at IJC2B. And you blog every day at MarcusHarwell.com. And hopefully you can access the show archives at it's just called two brothers.com. Yeah, <laughs>